Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Praise God. If you turn your Bibles with me this morning to Luke 18, Luke 18, verse 9. It says this, he told his next story, that's Jesus, to some who were complacently pleased with themselves. By the way, this is in the message, so if you're reading, um, if you're reading in your, not, in your other Bibles, this is in the message. He told his next story to some who were complacently pleased with themselves over their moral performance and looked down their noses at the common people. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a taxman. The Pharisee posed and prayed like this. Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Robbers, crooks, adulterers, or heaven forbid, like this taxman. I fast twice a week and tithe on all my income. Meanwhile, the taxman slumped in the shadows, his face in his hands, not daring to look up, and said, God, give mercy, forgive me, I'm a sinner. Jesus commented about this story, said, this taxman, not the other person, the Pharisee, went home, made right with God. If you walk around with your nose in the air, You're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're content to be simply yourself, you will become more than yourself. Many parables in the Bible, and I just want us to look at this one today because I believe that God wants to speak to us in this area. I used to read this parable and and it is meant to look at when the guys go up to the temple to pray. And it's focusing on the way that they're praying in a way. It's saying one of the guys, the Pharisee, as we, we know is the religious guy. He's going up to the temple to pray. And then there's another guy who's a tax collector. Many of you know that a tax collector in the Bible, he's got his, he's got his name for being a sinner. They were seen as sinners. They were seen as the lowest of the low because the, they kind of were seen that they stole from people. And you've got these two people going up effectively to a prayer meeting. And they're on the way to the temple to pray. And these two different characters are about to have a prayer meeting together. And one of them, the religious one who's got it all together, he's praying but he's spending a little bit of time putting down the other person. What a prayer meeting that is. I'm so glad I'm not in that kind of prayer meeting, are you? Two guys on their way to pray. In the temple, but let's just look at the fact that one of them spends half his time putting down the other one before he even prays about himself. The outcome of this story, this parable that Jesus told, he says it leaves the taxman in the shadows. Probably that's the best place for the (laughs) taxman. But it leaves the taxman in the shadows. It says... In the message, he was slumped in the shadows. So you just put put it into perspective. 
They're both in the temple. He finds the darkest place in the temple to hide. He kind of finds and says, I'm not even going to come out into the best bit of the temple. I'm going to slump in the shadows and hide. He slumps in the shadows because of what the religious man says to him. The title of my message today is this, updating your status. How many of you put your hands up if you're on Facebook? Quite a few people. If you don't know what Facebook is, a social media tool where you can share and post things on your wall and you can do all these kind of things. The message is not about Facebook. But today we're in a different generation where people now, unfortunately, seem to be speaking to people through electronic means. It's a shame that we're losing the ability to actually be able to speak to people. I don't know about you, but I'm a culprit for it sometimes. Sometimes I'm sat in the lounge, I send Emma a message through Facebook when she's sat on the other sofa. It's just so much easier. You don't have to open your mouth. I'm only joking, Ida. (laughs) I wouldn't do anything like that. But it's true, we lose the communication factor with these tools. But one of the things on Facebook, if you're not on it, Is that it says, update your status. How many people do you know update their status pretty much, I don't know, 50 times a day? And every time if you read anyone's status, it seems like it's there's nothing ever wrong in their lives. It seems like everything is perfect, doesn't it? It seems like that their life is so good, you think, wow, I wish I had a life like this. Because they post things on what's called a wall and describe the things they're doing. And most of us, if we're on Facebook, we're not going to put, I've had a really bad time here, look at this terrible picture. Well, some might. But most of us, we put these pictures up and we say, I've done this and I do it myself. I go on and I share things. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But do you know that even today, there are fa- in the world, there are Facebook um, counselors set up now in companies to help people who are feeling depressed by the way they're looking at other people's lives. A quote here says, Many people can experience what's called Facebook envy, otherwise called the negative comparison trap. A recent study found that one in three people <clears throat> registered feelings of envy Misery and loneliness after spending time browsing friends' Facebook profiles. Welcome to Facebook. Do you want to join? This is our culture today. This is our world today. We, we speak and it's going to get even worse. I tell you, if I asked in 10 years time, every single person in this room would be sticking their hand up. Saying, yeah, I, I know these things and we use electronic means. The reason I focus on this is because I believe that these two guys who were walking up to the temple that day, they didn't have Facebook, they didn't have the latest iPhone 5S or whatever it is, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. But they were walking up and their lives were a wall. They used their mouth then. And what Jesus is describing, in fact, it says when Jesus told this story, It's very rare Jesus tells the reason why he's telling the parable before he tells the parable. A lot of the times he tells a parable and it seems like no no one understands it. And a little bit later on they're asking him, what did you mean by that? But Jesus seems so strong in saying, 
I'm going to tell you this story because this is about people who are complacently pleased with themselves over their moral performance and look down their noses at common people. Jesus is saying straight away, this story is about this because it's a big issue. And people, just like the Pharisee, is walking up to the temple and in the prayer meeting, it's almost like he's saying to God, check out my wall. Updating his status, saying, I'm this, this, and this. I pray so many times a week. I fast, I do this. But do you know what? He spends a lot of time criticizing others, his, his friend. And he puts down, in fact, in this story, he sends, spends more time talking about how bad his friend is, or probably not his friend, than himself. And we know that the reason why he does this is to make himself look better. Some of us today can put positive comments of how we're doing. But even in our lives today, we can communicate to others, not necessarily through electronic means, but do you know you're a walking Facebook wall anyway? You're posting things on your life, you want people to see things, you update your status, and you want to show people who you are, but just like Facebook disguises the real person, I want to say to you today, you may not be on Facebook, but you are a walking wall. And you present yourself all the key best bits you want people to see. Amen? You don't want people to see some things. This is me. Look at me, God. And sometimes, just like this story, we say all the good things, but we spend sometimes times looking down on others. The Pharisee was writing on his wall to God. He says, I fast twice a week and I tithe twice a week. And then he says, I'm glad I'm not like this guy. What? I just feel so for, sorry for the tax man. I feel so sorry for him that he says, I'm glad I'm not like this man. A robber, an adulterer, a crook. Look at me, God. The best part about this is the religious one should have known better. The religious one should have known better. He was the one who knew the scriptures. He was the one who knew God. He was the one who should have known better than to say these things. But what do we see in this story is that God favors the tax man. He wasn't impressed with the Pharisee. The whole point of this parable was that he wasn't favoring the one who was boasting about his status. He favored the one who was in the shadows, hiding away, slumped, not even willing to look up, it says. He said he had his head in his hands, face down, slumped. First point today is look no further than your nose. Look no further than your nose. The Pharisee posed and prayed like this. Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, crooks, adulterers, or even, heaven forbid, like this tax man. I fast twice a week and tithe on all my income. He was looking down his nose, as Jesus says. This man is looking down his nose at other people, putting them down. But sometimes you need to look as far as the end of your own nose to see that you are the one who needs the work. 
You're the one who needs some work on your life, not the one you criticize. Jesus was saying, look no further than the end of this. You've got enough issues to deal with without looking at your friend or your so-called friend. This is not the way to impress God, but quite the opposite. I want you to turn in your Bibles now to Matthew 7, verse 3. It says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus was saying here in this parable again, he was focusing on the same issue. He says, you need to stop looking at the tiny bit of speck of sawdust in your friend's eye and criticizing them for that and trying to help them get it out fidgeting around in their eye, poking around, trying to get the sawdust saying, come here, you've got some sawdust. When all the time, actually, there's a big plank in their own eye. And Jesus is saying here, that you're hypocrites. What a strong word to use. He says you're a hypocrite. He says, check yourself out. Don't you realize you've got a big plank? I can see it. You might not be able to. Try spending some time looking at the big plank in your own eye. Before you try and poke around in someone else's eye trying to get some little grain of dust. The word hypocrite, it comes from a Greek word that means actor. Basically, what Jesus is saying is, you like actors. You are like actors. You've got it all together. You've updated your status. You're this. You say you're this. But actually behind the scenes, you're not. You're far from it. In fact, you've got this massive plank in your eye and you can't even see it. You're an actor. I never went to acting school. I was never that good in drama. But I know that there's some amazing actors sometimes we see. They can disguise who they are. The funny thing is that when you see characters off TV, if anyone ever meets them in the street, actors are so good at what they do, you would think that that is the character, but it's not. And some of us are like that today in church. There's a danger we can become an actor. We start getting so religious, we start getting so, we full of what we believe we know, and we become an actor. Jesus is saying, stop acting like you're the good one, trying to find the fault in another when you've got a serious problem. In fact, the very fact that you're poking in someone's eye is the problem. The very fact that you're there poking away saying, look, look at me, but look at you. That's the problem. When we see what it takes to clear a plank away, if, G- if we did what Jesus said and we do what we take the plank away, we spend a bit of time on ourselves removing the plank, 
Do you know that you will, I guarantee you, if you spend some time looking at the plank, you'll be a lot more caring and loving about how you try to remove sawdust. If you spend, let me say that again, if you spend some time trying to remove the plank from your own eye, take you quite a long time, guarantee you. You will be so considerate and so loving and caring in the way that you don't poke at someone's eye, but you say, do you know what? I had the issue. I saw how hard it was. I had to remove a plank. I can give you some help. You'll be far more loving and caring. Philippians 2, verse 3 to 4, it says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. There it is. There's the key. The key to it is look for the interests of others above yourself. Always putting others above you. That Pharisee did not do that. He was far interested in putting the one down and bigging himself up. And I want to encourage you today that God is not impressed if we look at the interests of ourselves instead of others. When we become a Christian, sometimes we, some people promote, come a Christian and it's a great life and you know, you, you're in the club and it's so good. Do you know what? It is good. But the key to Christianity is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, actually, the key is this, that it's the only way is for us to love everyone above ourselves. When you do that, you start getting rid of selfish ambition. Jesus said, didn't he? We shouldn't have this selfish attitude about us, us, us all the time. Value others before yourself. And the key to that is humility. The key to loving other people above yourself is humility. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Did you hear that? God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Some people don't like that on their fridge. They don't want that. They don't want to remember that because sometimes, as you know, we all can let pride creep in our hearts. And we don't want to, we think, yeah, I am a bit prideful sometimes. But God resists the proud. God is not around the proud people. If you think you're high and mighty and you're walking on the Holy Spirit and you're on fire for God. And you're thinking, I've got the ability as a religious person. I'm full of it. I know everything. You've got nothing if you haven't got humility. Jesus said we should come like children. It's the people like children who enter the kingdom of God. You say, how can I be like a child? You come as you are. Update your real status. Put what you really are. Don't try to be something in front of everyone else and God that you're not. Proverbs 16, 18 says that pride comes before destruction. Comes before the fall. Pride comes before destruction. It's what happened with the enemy. Pride got into his heart. I'm bigger than God. Do you know what? I've been around this this God some while and I'm bigger than God now. And some of us are like that. We can be like, what? Well, it's the trait of the enemy. It's just how the enemy started. He said, I'm bigger than God. I'm wiser. And some of us today, 
We can be in church for many years and then all of a sudden we start thinking we're bigger than God. We start thinking that we lose the humility and we start saying, do you know what? I know so much. And we lose humility. Pride comes before destruction. God opposes the proud. So what should we boast in? Are we allowed to boast? Are we allowed to rave about God? Yes. Yes, we are. Amen. Thanks, Ida. Yes, we are. Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24 says this in the message. It's on the screen. Don't let the wise brag of their wisdom. Don't let heroes brag of their exploits. Don't let the rich brag of their riches. If you brag, brag of this and this only, that you are, that you understand and know me. I'm God and I act in loyal love. I do what's right and set things right and fair and delight in those who do the same things. These are my trademarks, says God. God doesn't just say, don't brag, don't do this, don't talk about yourself and all this kind of stuff here. He says, if you brag, brag that you understand my traits, my trademarks of loyalty and love. But do you know what? He goes on to say this. He doesn't just say, brag and boast that you know and you've found a loyal love. And that you found these great traits in me. He says, I delight in those who do the same things. In other words, there's so many of us, we can read this and say, wow God, I've come to know true love, real love. I've come to know who you are and all your great trademarks and what makes you the person that attracted me to you in the beginning. But God says, go further than that. The trademarks that I've got, effectively the things that signify who I am. The things that attracted you to me. You need to do the same things. Because I delight in those who have loyal love. I delight in it, says God. What's your trademark? What's your trademark? Many of us know I used to work in in design and designing logos and trademarks and things like this. Many of us know many brands and we recognize brands for who they are. You would go into a store and buy an iPhone just because you're so used to seeing a white apple. You know it's quality. You know it's good. You know what it represents, what's behind that brand that you've come to adhere to and respect. You know it's quality. And in this, what we've just read, God says, my trademark is loyalty. My trademark is love. You know who I am. You know who to come to for it. But you need to walk around with the same brand, the same trademark as what I'm walking around with. You need to walk around as a representative, an affiliate of the brand. An affiliate of the trademark. You need to do the same. You need to become an affiliate Of the kingdom of God. Amen. Number two. You need to live beyond the shadow. Live beyond the shadow. It says this. We read again in verse 13 of Luke. Meanwhile the tax man slumped in the shadows. His face in his hands. Not daring to even look up. 
and said, God, give mercy. Forgive me, I'm a sinner. As I said earlier, I feel so sorry for the tax man here that he's hiding in the prayer meeting. He's gone to find the dark room. He doesn't even want to be in the dark. He wants to be in the dark area, slumped in the corner. And he's slumped after the discouragement that the Pharisee has reminded him of his bad traits. The Pharisee's praising himself. But he's put him down. We know that he must have felt guilty. We know already he must have known that he was a tax collector and he knows the sins in in his life. So must the Pharisee. But what made it worse, what took him into the shadows is that his friends, the ones who were with him in the prayer meeting, had reminded him of his frailty. Children's rhyme, if you know it, I used to know it when I was at school, sticks and stones may break my bones. And words will never hurt me. Do you remember that one? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I want to rephrase it to, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will always hurt me. When I was at school, I remember very clearly, I wasn't bullied at school, thankfully. My sister, when I was really young, was, and I saw my sister go through some things. But when I was at school, I've had times when I've been smacked in the face. I had times when some guys were after me and they beat me. And I tell you, I didn't like it. And I remember one evening so clear as a young lad, I was about 14. And a whole gang came up looking for me on the street. And when they found me, there were so many of them that I I was cornered and, and he hit me. And smacked me in the face and booted me in the head as I went down to the floor. I'll never forget it. Never. However, it healed and it went. I remember it and I forgive them. But there's certain things that were said to me when I was at school that still scar. Words will always hurt me. I don't know about you, but we talked about the Pharisee praising himself, boasting himself in the things that he's achieved. And now we're looking at the tax man who sat there slumped in the shadows, feeling like he can't even get up to pray. Feeling like he's totally crushed, head down, face in his hands, it says. And he's stuck right in the temple of God. This story paints a picture of where words on others can change their status. You might be able to update your status and say everything you are, but we can so easily update someone else's status by the bad comments. With every intention, they came to the house of God, but the friend ends up in the shadow. The friend ends up curled up in the room, But the truth is this, the tax man has a life beyond the shadow. Amen. The tax man wasn't meant to be in the shadow. Jesus said this in verse 14. This tax man, not the other, referring to the Pharisee, the religious one, went home made right with God. 
This tax man went home made right with God. I'll tell you what. Now I wish I was the tax man in the prayer meeting. Now I wish I was that one who was slumped in the corner. The one who feels beaten down. Who feels like now from the negative comments he can't even get up. Jesus says the word to him is you can. In fact, do you know what? I'm more interested in you in the dark corner than this guy who stood in the limelight. And there's so many of us today, we steal, trying to steal the limelight. When life is in the shadow, when you are willing to say, Lord, I'm nothing. Yeah, Lord, I agree with these things that said against me. But do you know what, Lord? I know I'm made righteous in your eyes. If you're feeling low and beat down by a position that you've been put in, by the sins that you carry. He must have known about these sins. He must have known he was a robber and a thief. We know that. But it didn't help, did it, when someone's there reminding him of his negative things. And so many times I've heard this story and we focus on the fact that he was feeling so guilty That's why he couldn't pray. But when I look at this, I see more than that. I see two people and I see one of them, one of them who wants to remind him of everything. You have got a life beyond the shadow. I'm speaking to you today. There's someone who's listening who's saying, do you know what? I feel like I'm that one. I feel like I'm the one in the shadow. I can't pray. I don't think there's a life for me in this thing anymore. I don't think I can come out into the light anymore, Lord. I don't think I can do this because I feel beaten down by my sins and I'm reminded so many times from others, actually, I don't know if this is what I want. If this is what religious people are like, Lord, I don't know if I want to come back to this temple. But God says, it's not about the temple, it's not about the people. Jesus says, it's not about where you've come or where you are and how you feel. When you go home, you're made right with God. Because in my eyes, you're clean. You're perfect. I don't care what anyone's saying about you. You're perfect. In my eyes, and I'm interested in you, says God. I'm not interested in the one who's Babbling away and being negative. I'm interested in you. The ones curled up in the shadow. God's interested in those who highlight their weaknesses. Amen? 2 Corinthians 12 verse 10. Paul said this. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses. In insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Let me say that again. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, I'm strong. He come to realize, Paul, that in his weaknesses, from insults, from hardships and persecutions against him in the kingdom of God, right in the church sometimes. He said, I know that when I'm weak, Lord, I'm actually really strong. It's the best position you'll ever find yourself in. It's not about how you feel. Too many people today are feelers in the church. They want to feel good all the time. They want a presence, the the feeling all the time. 
You feel some good things, but I'll tell you what, there's nothing better than when God puts in your spirit an ability, this is better than any feeling, an ability to walk forward, head held high, feeling weak, but strong as well. It's amazing. It's only the Holy Spirit that can do that. Paul said, when I'm weak, I'm strong. You can stand up again. If you're in the shadows today, if you're beaten down, you can stand up. If you're weak, then I want to tell you, the word of God to you today is this. In your weakness, in your frailty, in your ability to not be able to get up and even look up again. God says, in your weakness, son, daughter, you are made strong. Stand up. Get up from the shadow. Go home. And know that you're made right with me. Don't be destroyed by these accusations and names. I'm on your side. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, Do not fear for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Praise God. I'm with you. Do not be dismayed. And I will strengthen you and uphold you, says God. Finally, number three is learn to like yourself. You say, like myself? Am I supposed to do that? That would be vain. Jesus said this. In that story, if you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. He was talking about the Pharisee. He said, if you go around walking with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on the face. In fact, what he was saying is, you're going to be the one in the shadows with your head flat on the floor. You're going to be the one who's not in the limelight But he says this, if you do that, you'll end up flat on your face. But he says, but if you're content to be simply yourself, you will become more than yourself. If you are content to be simply yourself, you'll become more than yourself. How many of you today want to be more than yourself? I want to be more than myself. What my abilities of what I can do. I can put anything on Facebook and say I'm this, this and this. But I want to be more than that. In Jesus. I want to be more than myself in Him. We can avoid the nature of being like the Pharisee if we're content with ourselves. If you're going to like something, many of us like things on Facebook. If you're going to like something, like yourself. Like yourself. Just as you are. All your frailties. Look at yourself today and say, do you know what? In all my weaknesses, in all the rubbish that I'm carrying, Lord, I'm going to do a big like. Because do you know what, Lord? I know that you've dealt with it all. When you look at me, I've got robes of righteousness. I've got clean robes. I'm free from all this. In fact, you see a completely different thing, Lord. And it's not my doing. You received... Your new life, if you're a born again believer, and I want to encourage you, be born again by His Spirit. 
If you're a born again believer, then you receive the gift of life free from Jesus. If you receive it, boast in the one who gave it to you. Not how good you look, because you've got it. So many of us, we get so far down the line in Christianity, that we get to a point where we're thinking, wow, this is cool, this, I look so good as a Christian. I'm wearing the white robes, I'm clean, I'm cool. But actually remember the one who gave it to you. You are not clean by your own methods. You have not been pulled out of the dark spot in the shadow by your own ability. It was Jesus' word that spoke to the guy in the shadows that said, Listen, come up from the shadows because I made you right. In 1 Corinthians 4 verse 7 it says, For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? Just listen to this. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you didn't receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you didn't? Paul was saying here he knew, he knew that we would get to a stage in our lives that we'd start to boast as though it's ourselves that's done this. I'm a Christian and I'm good because I've done all this myself. But you received it from Jesus. It was a free gift. You did nothing to deserve it. Therefore, boast in the one who gave it, not the, yourself how good you look. In other words, you are what you are because of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and be content with it. I want you to turn in your Bibles as we finish. And Philippians 2, and verse 5. Philippians 2, verse 5. And I'm reading from the NIV. It says this. Paul says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who, being in very, nat- in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, And gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why do I read that? Because do you know what? If there's anyone who's going to help us to be the person we need to be, it's Jesus Christ. If you want to follow a method... You can follow the method of the tax man and try and help yourself up and do this. But do you know what? The key is this. Look at Jesus. Right at the beginning of that, Paul says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. Jesus, God, came from heaven. Do you know he stepped out of heaven? 
the most glorious place, the darling of heaven, chose to come down to this rotten earth that is full of sin. He chose to come in the flesh. He chose the God, the creator of the universe, came to this earth and was restricted in the flesh. He says he didn't take advantage of the fact that he was equality with God. He came and he was wrapped in flesh. The God, the creator of the universe, and he humbled himself. Even humbled himself to death on a cross. He went the lowest he could have done for others. Jesus said, the greatest thing you can do is lay your life down for others. And he did that. And if you want to model, this is it right here. But look what happens when he didn't treat it and take advantage of who he was on earth. And he could have done a lot of things, but he came and humbled himself. He didn't take advantage of who he was for himself. He humbled himself, became a servant. And what happens when you do that? He says, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name. If you want to model today, if you want to say, Lord, how do I do it? I'm still in the shadows. The key is this is to remember that you have to become humble again. Become humble again. Have a servant heart towards those who would put you to the cross, in a sense. The ones who would condemn you. The ones who put you down. He says this, if you humble yourself and do that, God will exalt you. He'll put you to the highest place that you can have. What did we read earlier? He'll make you more than yourself. He'll make you more than yourself. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.